Good morning. How many are glad to be in the house of God this morning? Amen? Wow. If you could see what all of us are seeing from up here, you are looking good today. Go ahead and say, man, I'm looking good today. Man, you, you, you got some good sleep last night, and, and uh, your hair did well, and guys, your makeup is good this morning. Okay, the ladies got all that, but uh, guys are still... It is so good to be here. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, for those that do not know me, I do attend here. You just don't see me very often because this is my work day. I'm an evangelist. My wife, Heather, babe, not everybody knows you maybe. Just let them know. That's my wife. She's the one sitting up here and standing in the middle of the worship team. And uh, uh, she, she's a, a solo so many times because uh, for now... Well, 23 and a half years, I've traveled around the world as an evangelist, and uh, this is our home church, though, and it is always a privilege and honor to be able to come and minister here as the pastor gives us this chance and uses the fivefold giftings. If you're not familiar, God gave us fivefold ministry gifts to the body of Christ to be a healthy body, and one of them is pastors, and one of them is evangelists, and uh, we, there's three other ones, and we talked about the other night that, uh, you know, individually, each one, you know, just a finger, you can poke somebody's eye out, but when you put all five-fold ministry gifts together, then you can make an impact, right? And as we just saw in that video, that men's conference, you know, it has an impact. If, if he would have just been, okay, let's go, let's go, guys, let's, you know, get your pinky out, get your pinky out, you know. No, you just got, you know, boxing gloves, get your fist up, and, and that's how we can truly make a difference. So it is always a privilege, uh, uh, almost each week, I'm traveling somewhere in the world and getting to represent Wrightsville Assembly of God. People ask me, where do I go? I say, well, don't you know where Wrightsville, Pennsylvania is? <laughs> I mean, it is a metropolis. I mean, and uh, it's, uh, so if nothing else, I'm taking Wrightsville around the globe, okay? And representing uh, this community and this church, and and what a great looking crowd this morning. This is awesome. As it was, we Pastor and I were talking last night after service. Just God is just building momentum, and that's what happens when you set aside regular schedule, like we did this weekend. We said, you know what, we're going to take this time and just focus on God. Amen. And so uh, it's hard to build momentum when you have a lot of time in between things, but when you put a group of days together. There is a powerful impact that happens, and so that's what we are having, and uh, this, for those that weren't able to be here, I'm just glad to be in church this morning and alive. Uh, you, you, you probably don't know if you weren't here that uh, uh, Wednesday night, I was in the ER for most of the night, and uh, Severe, severe, worst headache of my life, and I don't get headaches. And for eight hours, I've been throwing up and then just dry heaving because nothing's left and, and just really, really bad and was taken to the ER. And uh, uh, when you hear that the possible three things is you either have a brain tumor from your cancer that you used to have that's gone, but it could come back, and you may now have a brain tumor in your brain, or you have a brain bleed, or you have... Uh, uh, meningitis. Uh, those were my top three uh, choices. They said, this is not a migraine. You don't have sound sensitivity. You don't have light sensitivity. And they really thought it was something serious. Well, we still don't know what's going on, but I haven't missed a service. By the grace of God, God has showed up this weekend, and I know that God is going to do something today. Amen? And sometimes, amen, amen, you know, sometimes it's pressing through those times that we don't feel so good. 
that God is able to show up the most. Amen? And, and so I just encourage you this morning. Maybe you just woke up and you got a lot of stress. You're worried about things in your life. I would challenge you right now. Just say, you know what, God? Just, just take control of my mind. Give me a peace right now so I can enter in and get everything that God has for you. And I know that God's going to be faithful. Um, so many people, you know, I know you pray for, uh, pray for me as I, I travel. Uh, in, in just a few weeks, I'm going to be going to Los Angeles, Chile, not California. Uh, we'll be going there to South America in a few weeks to minister and to set up our 44th International Soccer Salvation Camp and Crusade that we'll be doing next year. Uh, and then in November, I'm going to be going to Porto, Portugal, and that is my 56th country that I will have been to. I've never been to Portugal, so that will be in November. And other than that, I'm, I'm stateside. I'm, you know, I'm going to be in Montana uh, in a week. I'm going to be going to, I don't know, I just, uh, every week is, is someplace, but thank you for praying for us. We have a website, ronroads.org. Uh, we have prayer cards. Uh, we have a Facebook for our ministry and our soccer salvation camp ministry. And we really count on people like these two international trips. Uh, when, when an evangelist is asked, a pastor is asked to come to an international destination, uh, that, that usually means that you have to pay all your own expenses. And as an evangelist, that means that then we're not having anything come in as that week. And so it's a, it's a huge step of faith for us to do these international events, but we know that that's what God's called us to. And so as we put two of these international plane tickets on our credit card by faith, this is how when people invest in this ministry, uh, that's how we're able to do those things. And we've now done 43 soccer salvation camps and crusades around the world. And that means there are Bibles now in Muslim homes, Buddhist homes, uh, atheist homes, uh, because every kid gets a Bible. They get a presentation of the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. They get a soccer ball and medals, but they get exposed to the love of Jesus Christ. And, and that's why we do what we do. And so thank you so much for praying for us and believing with us. And, and we know that God is going to honor that. I want you to stand for the reading of God's word, if you would, with me this morning. And I want you to turn to Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 4. Now, I'm going to help you out for all those that are not familiar where, where Nehemiah is. It is right after Ezra. That helped? That 10 chapter book, Ezra? Don't you love Nehemiah, shortest man in the Bible? Wow. Nehemiah, Nehemiah. I'm trying, guys. That's as good as it gets at 9 o'clock, I guess, right? I have no coffee yet this morning. What is up, man? God, we just open our hearts to you right now, Lord. Lord, may you just take control of this service, and may you be lifted up and exalted God, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, that you are a faithful God. God, that you have something special planned for today. And we pray, Lord, that you would minister into every life for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you're seated, let's read God's word. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. When Sambalat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall 
Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? And Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side said, what they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, he would break down their wall of stones. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the enemy doesn't think that we don't represent anything that's powerful, but we represent God, and he is all-powerful, and he has no equal. He has no rival. Amen? You may be seated. Um, when, when I don't know if you're familiar, but just to give you an idea on the previous four chapters and what God was doing here in Nehemiah is that Nehemiah was this man of God, and when he found out that the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down and burned and the people of God were knocked down, this was the moment that God spoke to him and he said, it's time to rebuild the walls. How many would recognize it is not an earth-shattering thing to tell you that the great nation that we live in that was founded upon this very book right here is in a very critical point in our history because the enemy thinks that he has been able to push back the foundation of Christ and the word of God in America. But I'm here to tell you that there is a heartbeat still in America for the body of Christ and our calling, and it is time to rebuild the walls of Jesus Christ and the word of God in our nation. Amen? You see, the enemy wants to insult us and wants to not identify doesn't want to know what our love is. And so this was, this was what these guys were like. They said, even if a fox climbed up on what they're rebuilding, it wouldn't be able to hold the weight of a fox. Do you realize the enemy is mocking? He is laughing because he thinks, because of the condition of America, of where we are today, that it's hopeless, but just like God placed something inside of Nehemiah, he said, uh-uh, it is not a time to focus on what has happened. It is a time to focus on what God is going to do, and he's going to rebuild a foundation of Christianity in America. And the, the challenge is this. Now, I, uh, earlier this year, I was speaking at a church in the Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas area, and I've had a lot of, 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 of moments in services and churches and after services, but this one really got my attention and it literally broke my heart in such a way that we as the body of Christ need to recognize and understand one thing, that in order to rebuild the wall, we had to first recognize that there were parts of the wall that had been broken down and that are exposed. You see, for so long in the body of Christ, we thought that the strongest part of the wall was the most important part of the wall. In other words, we've approached so many times in the body of Christ in America that as long as my part of the wall is standing up tall and strong and reaching its potential and going to church and in the word of God and in prayer, then I'm good. 
But the reality is the strongest part of any wall is the lowest, most exposed place because that's where the enemy comes in, whether that's individually or corporately as the body of Christ. And so we have to once again realize that we don't have just a responsibility for our part of the wall, but for the part that is next to us, the person that is next to us that is exposed maybe to disease or depression. This man walked up to me at the end of a service of a church that he attends faithfully and has lived a Christian life, and he stands in front of me at an altar after a service in Dallas, Texas earlier this year. And he says, I am so discouraged and I am so overwhelmed to the point that all I can think about is dying. That's not the shocking part. It's the next thing that he said. He said, even if that means I spend an eternity in hell. That is in 2019 in the buckle of the Bible belt that someone is set through a service and goes to church and they literally walk up so discouraged and so worn down. He says, all I want to do is die. That's not the scary part. The physical death is not the scary part. It's the spiritual death. There is, trust me, there is no one that wants to spend an eternity in hell. For those that weren't here on Friday night, Another tragedy has chipped away at the wall of the church this week. There is a mega church out in California this morning that we need to be praying for today. And there is a pastor's wife and his two little kids that we need to pray for today. Because one week ago, tomorrow, this past Monday, another pastor committed suicide a young pastor that was passionate about ministering to those that deal with depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. Him and his wife literally started a ministry to minister to those that are being challenged mentally. We must understand, church, it is not a time to close the curtains. It is not a time to come inside the walls and say whatever happens outside the walls is on that. It is a time that we must recognize. I ask you this one thing. What if one week ago today in services where that young pastor stood, what if somebody would have said, I'm not just here today for my part of the wall. You know what? I need to hear from the Spirit because my pastor needs me to go pray for him. What if one person, what if it just took one person to walk up to that young pastor last week and say, I want you to know you are special and we love you. And if you ever need to talk, if you ever need to to somebody just to pray with you, if you ever need anybody just to listen There is a responsibility that God is wanting to give us. Now, if this is, I want to just, I want to tell you, (laughs) I want to tell you, I want to jump ahead to the miracle right here because I want to, I want to go back from there, but I want to tell you something. This was impossible to even think of. And if anybody before it happened would have said it's what's going to happen, they wouldn't have believed it. But in 52 days, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. That 
was impossible to even think about. So I tell you this, you may look at the condition of America and the church right now. You may not have any hope whatsoever, but I'm here to tell you, God has given us this book of Nehemiah. And one of the things is to build a confidence and a boldness inside of us as the body of Christ that it's time to rebuild the walls of Christianity in America. It is not a time to distance ourselves. It's not a time to back away. It's a time to embrace it. And let me tell you, if God can do a 52-day miracle back in these days in the Bible times, he can definitely do a 52-day miracle in America today. What would happen? I don't even know what day it is 52 days from here, but I believe that is a somebody's word today. Maybe you need a 52-day miracle in your marriage. Maybe you need a miracle in your finances Maybe you're battling a disease or a sickness or pain. I'm here to tell you, God's going to build some confidence in you this morning. You're going to realize that, no, we are not weak. We are, we are not easily knocked over. No, if a fox climbed up on it or a 2,000-pound steer walked up on it, you see... God is wanting to stir inside of each one of you to recognize and realize that you're a part of something that is important and understanding that we need one another. When you look at this, and in verse 6, it says of Nehemiah chapter 4, it says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. The people worked with all their heart. Let me tell you, the best, the highest potential of your life with God, the best that you will ever get if all you do is count on your own ability and energy is half of what God wants to do in you. It says they worked with all of their might and only reached half of the potential. There's too many of us in the body of Christ that we're fine with half the height. But the last time I checked, there's not one of you that wants to buy a house that there's only half of the door or half of the window. You're saying, no, I need the whole door. I need the whole window because all it takes is the other half not being there for someone to come in and and attack my family and hurt my family. Come on, church. We are not we are not satisfied with half its height. That is, that, is not a, that is not something that God is saying is okay. And, and there's two ways to look at this this morning. Corporately as the body of Christ, as one big group, as the family of God, but also individually, where are we in our walk and a relationship with God? Where are we? The enemy may be mocking you and looking at you and saying, see, I got that same area that you've never been able to come. You've never been able to beat it up. You've never been able to overcome that addiction, that bondage, that sin, that, 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 that guilt, that, that past. But the reality is, is God looks at you and just the way he birthed something in Nehemiah, he is birthing things inside of us that we're going to see family generations that have been under the curse of alcoholism and drug addiction and suicidal thoughts and depression and anxiety, that stops this generation because you realize it is not okay for me to have half of my potential. I need to go the whole distance with God. The whole distance. This will be the generation that divorce stops being the number one trait of your family. This will be the one where you are healed. You are 
overcomers. You are grabbing a hold of the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Many of you know that my wife and I um, have been walking a journey over, well, now it's, it's about a year and a half now that we started the journey. Um, my wife and I have went through five miscarriages and for so many years, because of what we do in the international children's ministry, uh, when we were not able to give birth to our own child, uh, we just thought that it was going to be a natural thing because we have connections literally all over the world. Uh, we've literally had, my wife can tell you, we've had moms walk up to us and she's got a litter of kids and she's like, here, take one. You know, I'll gladly give you a kid right here. Here, just take them, you know. It's like, well, if it was only that easy, you know, <laughs> they might ask for some documentation when we get back to America. Who's this kid, you know? Uh, uh, but uh, so we, we assumed and we started looking at the chance of doing an international adoption, and we pursued that. We had, in fact, in the country of Honduras, uh, we have done seven soccer salvation camps and crusades, and we have a guy there that does those for us, and uh, his sister is a lawyer that works in the, for the government in the children's adoption area, and we're like, hello, no-brainer, right? Isn't it sometimes it's so obvious that we think, wow, that's the way he's going to do it. And then it's like, nope, not the right door. And that door was shut down. So then we're like, well, we'll do a domestic adoption. But after investing already $3,000 in getting our first, uh, uh, you know, computer uh, video conference with this uh, agency in South Carolina, uh, when it got up to forty to fifty thousand dollars at the minimum, and then based upon all these other parameters, it can go up there for potentially lawyers and additional medical costs. We felt that door was closed. You see. You are created to desire family, to want a child, to be a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister. We are created as the family of God, church. We have got to get into this mentality, and I love that our, our, our pastors have this desire and, and, and a willingness to invest. These, these, uh, the time that we get together with our life groups, church, that is what it's about. That is part about being part of the family. That's what you do. You, you, we have got become a family, not just individuals that go to the same church, but a part of the family of God that we care about. We want to know what's going on because way too long people walk through those doors and they put their spiritual smile on and people ask, how are you doing? And you say, I'm doing great, but you've had the worst week of your life. You're ready to give up. You're ready to walk away of your marriage. You're thinking about suicide. You're thinking about so many different things. We have got to get to the place that we do not look at one another, that when we are going through difficult times, that it is a part of our weakness. No, it's a part of our strength because we realize we can trust one another with what we're going through. 
See, to be a part of a family does not mean we judge. We do not condemn. We do not look at other ones, look down on them. No, we see the potential, and we say, I'm proud to stand next to you. So what is the strategy? What is the strategy that God had to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem and as well, see, for several years now, God began to tell me as an evangelist that I want you to seek me at the end of each year about a word to the body of Christ in America that you will share the next year. So in the end of 2018, I began to seek God for the 2019 word to the body of Christ wherever I travel in the United States. And this is the word that God has been sharing across the U.S. this year about rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the integrity, rebuilding the church, rebuilding a passion for Jesus Christ and and a Bible foundation in our society. And it doesn't shock you to realize that we live in a world that does not honor and respect God any longer, does not care about God So we must care about our country. So how did they do that? How did they rebuild the walls? It's it's right there. I want you to recognize, though, in verse 7, says, when they heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed, they were angry. Can I tell you, (laughs) Satan did not want what happened on Friday night and Saturday night. He's angry. He didn't want you to come. He didn't want you to feel good. He didn't want you to press through. Let me tell you, (laughs) you can't look at this crowd this morning and tell me we aren't making a difference you cannot tell me. Come on. You got up. You came to the house of God at 9 o'clock, and you're here, and you went after God, and you worship God. You better understand when you walk out these doors, you better have a connection with God because religion won't work because you're going to stir up the enemy, and the enemy may be thinking that you're not in it for real and long term, but I'm here to tell you you are. Look, this is a strong wall of the foundation of the church in Wrightsville, Pennsylvania. God is assembling something, but we got to recognize that there is an enemy that doesn't want it to happen. Doesn't. Doesn't care about your success. He doesn't care about your marriage, your children, your health. Doesn't care about all that. But when the gaps, the walls and the gaps were being closed, they were angry. Let me tell you, church, we're seeing progress in America. We're seeing progress in this community, in this area. We're seeing progress. It says, but we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. And then I want you to look over in verse 13. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 13. So important. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. You have a position and importance in the body of Christ. Do you know what 
this is not the plan. Pastor Aaron and Pastor Chris, they are not the only ones that are called to care about the part of the wall next to them. That's all of us. If you're a part of the wall, you're part of the most important part of who we are as the family of God, that we care, that we know what the person that we see every week is going through. And it says they posted. And this is, this is so important because if we're going to see, this is what happens in, in America so easily. We see tons of people come through the front door, but just as many go out the back door. And one of the main reasons is, is because when people come in and they see this, they get excited. But the enemy gets mad and gets stirred up. Oh, they're going to church. They're starting to see God turn around. And then before you know it, there is an attack upon them and they start getting worn down. But see, what the difference is, is when we care about and we position ourselves behind the weak areas, the low and exposed areas, then that means you're not in this alone. You walked into this church and maybe you didn't know a person, but I'm here to tell you, you will not walk out with not knowing that we love you and we care about you and we are going to invest in your life. We're going to pray for you and we're going to encourage you. And if it takes me calling you on Monday, if it takes me coming by on Tuesday, come on church. If it takes me uh, uh, sending you a text on Wednesday, to make sure you know you're not alone. Don't you dare walk out of here and not let somebody know what you're going through. Because a wife, this morning, with her two little kids, is faced with the reality Even when we know what people are going through sometimes, we're too afraid to let that person know we care because we're intimidated about the situation and we think, how can I do anything to encourage them or let them know we love them? He's a pastor. He does this ministry. She is involved in this ministry. She leads the prayer group. Who am I? You are part of the wall that stands next to them. And somebody needs to know this morning, you're not alone. So when all these other doors were being shut, we had heard about a couple of years ago about the foster to adopt program. And when we initially heard about it, It just wasn't at the right place. It wasn't the right time. Because to foster, to adopt means when a child comes into the foster program, it's at least six months before there is a determination of whether the child is adoptable or not. The whole goal if at any way possible, is to always get the child back to their mom and dad if that is a safe place, if that 
parent is available, if they're not in prison, if they're not uh, uh, on the uh, drug addictions or alcoholism that would create an unsafe environment. So everything is almost against the foster family getting to be able to adopt because Obviously, you don't want to take children away from their family if that's a good thing, if they're loved, if they're protected, if they're fed, if they're clothed. We initially were like, there is a lot of risk. There is a lot of investment, and you can invest heavily. And at the end of the day, they come And they could take that kid that you have loved from the day one when they walked in your house and you poured into their lives and they even only know you as mom and dad. They could still come and take that child and put them back in their family. And there's nothing you can do. I don't know about you. That doesn't sound like a program I want to sign up for. Yes! Love a kid! And they get them back and take them away, right? doesn't make sense. Can I tell you, last year we walked through the process of becoming qualified to become a foster family. We were not called to be a foster family like many families that are called to foster to foster kids, to just foster kids. We were called to foster to adopt, to get a child. So we went through that qualification last year. And on January 1st of 2019, We were authorized and approved. And within 16 days of January 1st, I was 6,000 miles away in Ovaya, Chile, doing our 43rd soccer salvation camp. And my wife calls me, and I know when she calls me and I'm international that it's something really bad or something really important because it's really expensive to call me on my cell phone when I am in Chile. I will never let her outlive this story. Sorry, babe, you can punch me later. I was sitting in Guatemala, Guatemala City in Guatemala, sitting there in a restaurant with the missionaries and the pastors that we're going to do a soccer salvation camp. And all of a sudden, my wife starts texting me. The alarm's going off. Our house alarm. She's back in Dallas. She's texting me in Guatemala to tell me our alarm's going off. Uh, call 911 first. <laughs> Sorry, babe. So what I'm just telling you that when I get a call or something like that, I know something's going on. And, and, and she called me and she said... Uh, it was 8 o'clock in the evening back here in Pennsylvania, and she said, baby, there's a family of three kids that have been taken away from their parents, and they're splitting the, 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 the girls up, and, 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 and they have a little two-year-old. Uh, there's a six-year-old and an eight-year-old, but the two-year-old, they need an emergency rescue family. Uh, what do you think? Here I'm standing looking at a stadium of kids and their families. And God's finding a part because I'm investing in parts of the wall around the globe that God sees fit. Say, I'm going I'm to take part of, your, part of your wall that's been exposed 
And then our nickname for this two-year-old little dynamite cracker, our little chicken nugget, Emmy, walked into our world that night. I would not get to meet her for a few days until I flew home. And I want to tell you that the first six weeks of 2019, I learned more about the love of God than the whole previous 49 years of my life. And I never understood how we as the body of Christ and how God looks at us that we are all foster kids. In other words, none of us have the blood type and the DNA of God. He is perfect and he is without sin and he has no luggage and he has no baggage and there's nothing wrong with him. But he stands there with his open heart and he says, I'll take any child. I'll take you just the way you are. You come into my house and I'll take all your luggage and all your baggage and all your emotion and all your pain and all the things that are wrong. You're my child now. You see, we learned something that now we've had several rescue kids. We, we haven't uh, been able to, to, to move into that next realm of, of finding our adopted child. And we believe and we know that God is going to honor that. But there are some things that we learned about the love of God that we as the body of Christ must learn. And that is now we, we've had uh, four, five, four Four, four, four different children in our home. And you know what? It's not one moment that we, 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 we can even begin to imagine what it's like for a little two-year-old girl that's just been ripped out of her family's literally house that night in the evening and brought to some stranger's house and says, here, here's your kid. Good luck. You see, it's so easy as the body of Christ to look at it from our perspective. We're, we're, we're the foster family. We're, we're here to ready to open the doors and receive you. But God's saying, I need you to start looking through the two-year-old's eyes. They're walking in and they're scared. They know God's drawing them to the house of God. They know that God's drawing them to a relationship with God. But, but man, this is scary. And I don't know anybody. And I don't, man, you should see, man, I, I still drink and I still do cocaine. And, and, and I still, uh, I'm tempted in this area. And I do this and I do this. And, and, and they're walking in. And is this, is this a safe place? Are, are, are they just doing it for the money? Or are they going to love me? Are they, are they going to accept me? One of the videos they showed us is a, to prepare. I'll never forget it. It was a teenage girl, been in several homes, just, just a perpetual. And another house that she was leaving from. Never forget the image. And I told my wife there that day, that will never happen with, I don't care how many kids and how much this costs us, but we will never, ever send a kid out of our house when they're being taken back or sent to a long-term family or whatever it is with their few clothes in a trash bag. She walked out with a trash bag over her back. Nobody had ever been there. Nobody was willing to go the long-term with her. Can I tell you, 
There are so many people in our world. They need to recognize. They need to understand this is a safe place. That in the presence of God and the family of God that they can trust when they walk through the walls and the doors of Wrightsville Assembly of God that we will not judge them. We will not condemn them. We will accept them and we will love them and we'll say, I'd be proud to stand next to the wall and call you a part of my wall because I love you and I'm called and we have the same DNA when we give our heart to God. That's the moment that we move from foster kids into being adopted by the love of Jesus. There were two things that God had to show us. Two things. Little Emmy, blonde hair, blue eyes. I mean, tiny, tiny. Absolutely stunning, beautiful. And we are convinced she will be a world changer. It will just be a question, is it going to be channeled with the, the, with the focus of God in her life? Or is it going to be something else? But she did not survive the first two years of her life in a living hell in which the judge and the lawyers and the caseworkers said it's the worst case of abuse and neglect that they have ever seen. These are people that deal with this every day and Little Emmy being held down by one of her sisters and choked and she she was blue and almost dead. She had to be a fighter. She had to be independent. And man, when she walked into our house, we never knew dynamite could come in such small packages. Wow, we, she will push over any wall. She is not afraid of you. She is not intimidated. She doesn't show pain. She, we seen her run and run into walls and go off the corner of a table. Never once showing one shed of tear because she says, I'm not going to let them see me cry. I'm not going to let them see me weak. There are people out there that have been through so much in life and they do not need a church that says when you walk through these walls, and these doors, you better have it figured out. You better got it. You better get it all together. You better not do that. You see, there was two things that stood out to us. The first thing that we could not understand, and that was that Emmy would just at any time, it, sometimes she could be tired, she could be stressed, she could not be feeling good, or it could be times that she is as happy as a bee sitting on the couch watching her favorite show on TV, but she started just doing this, self-rocking. Sometimes it was dangerous, and we'd go, baby, what are you doing? She would hang, better hang your head, and she would hit it up against the wall or whatever she's next, and it didn't even matter. All she was doing, she wasn't even thinking about it. It just came out, and she just kept rocking. Immediately, we're trying to, well, what's the matter? What's the matter? What can we do? It wasn't always bad. She was just rocking. That's when God showed us. Every child is created with a desire to be rocked by a mom and a dad that love them, that takes their baby in their arms. That's why we have gliders. That's why we have rockers. That's why we rescue our children in our arms at the end of a day and we rock them to sleep because we are created with the desire to be loved and rocked by our families. And Emmy didn't have that, so she had to rock herself. There are thousands of people that live in this community and area that they're out there rocking themselves because they don't know what it's mean to part of the family of God. 
They were created with a desire that they don't even know what it's about, but their creator created them with a desire to be loved and to live for God. And then there was one other thing. Emmy would always run to the dark closets of our house. It wasn't a place where Monsters, Inc. was inspired. It wasn't the scary place that there's crazy monsters and all these scary things. She loved to go into the dark closets. It was, just, it was confounding. There's no lights. She would run in. didn't matter if it's a linen closet and, and her little two-year-old little body could fit in under that last. In her room. Just a whole house, a whole cell, every, toys, everything. She would run into a dark closet. And I'd go over and open the door. Baby, what are you doing? God had to show us. Her dark closets was her safe place. Because that's where she had to go to hide. Her safe place was a dark place so nobody could find her and hurt her. We finally recognized this. My wife had a bench, and we just put the bench into her closet, in her room. And one of my favorite things to do, I would go in and sit with her in that dark closet. She was happy. It was like she's showing that uh, Look, I'm so she was the one, she was the one that opened the door. She had full access. I just sat there next to her. You realize there are people in our world, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our communities. And the only place they know is the dark places. It's the only place they've ever been. The suicidal thoughts, the addictions, the bondage, the insecurity. You know what God said? just the way he spoke to my wife and I, instead of trying to take her out of a dark closet, he said sometimes you need to go in and be willing to go in and sit in their dark places so that they can know this is not an agenda, this is about them, and you love them. You see, God is calling us. Go into the dark closets sometimes of people's lives and worlds and realize that's where the impact and the connection it's going to take place. That's when it's going to make place. It's when we say, you know what? I, I, everything within me wanted to say, uh, I need to string some lights in here. I, I need to figure this out. I need to get this behavior out of her. Too many times we're more worried about getting things out of people rather than getting God into them. You see, when God gets in, when God gets in, all the everything else gets out. Did you hear me? When God gets in and fills someone up with his love and his forgiveness, then that's when everything else naturally gets out because no longer is it something they want. I want everybody to stand with me. I want you to hear this.
Then I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, the work is extensive and spread out. We are widely separated from each other along the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there and our God will fight for us. If you look earlier in that chapter, it says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome. And it says, and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Church, that's your challenge. If we're going to walk out of this saturate weekend and we're to go and we're going to take the fullness of what God gave us this weekend, then we got to respond to the challenge. And that is recognize and realize there's a world out there and they're self-rocking and they're running to the dark places because that's all they know. That God's called us to station us behind the low and exposed and broken and, 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 and pillaged and, and, and fired out parts of the wall. And he says, it doesn't say fight your brothers and your sisters and your wives. It says fight for your brothers and your sisters and your children and your wives and your husband. Fight for. We as the body of Christ, let's start fighting for one another. Let's start fighting for one another. Let's not look at someone and be happy when someone else fails so that in some weird way may think you may think that I'm more spiritual. That is not from God. We are to fight for one another. So I ask you, seriously, have you ever thought about fighting for someone that's a part of this wall of this church? I mean fighting for them. I mean getting involved in their life in prayer, beginning to pray every day. God, show me. Let me be willing to go into the dark closets with him. I am not going to allow you to be taken by the enemy. I will not allow you to be brought back into that dark place of that addiction. I'm going to fight for you. Father, at the end of this incredible, incredible adventure, they saw the walls completely rebuilt. Lord, it is not a time for us to give up on America. It is a time to recognize and realize that there is still a heartbeat and that, God, you're asking the body of Christ to recognize and realize there are low and exposed places in our society, in our churches, in our families, in our friends. But you have not called us to judge them. You have not called us to fight them. You have called us to fight for them, to love them, to go into their dark closets, to recognize and realize there's something created in them. With your heads bowed real quickly.